2: Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Mum and Mum podcast brought to you by the wonderful Golding Accountancy. Wearegolding.com. Hi, thank you for joining me this week. I'm very excited because I spoke to the wonderful Kirsty Bosley, um, who I didn't actually introduce because we were just chatting and then that was it. Didn't stop. I have to warn you that we do talk about some stuff which some of you might find triggering. um, Discussing weight and other things. Um, It was lovely to speak to Kirsty. She, you might be aware, she recently wrote a piece that went viral when she took herself to a Michelin-starred restaurant for the first time and wrote about the meal that she had, which it was such a lovely thing to read. I have been meaning to get Kirsty on the podcast for a while because she hosts a podcast on the network on wrestling. Um, but this felt like a good time because I also had a tasting menu at a Michelin-starred restaurant uh, the other weekend when I was in Cornwall. And that was my first experience, I think. My memory's so bad. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of compare notes because I felt very uh, similar to her. About how Wally, I know I completely remember the first time I went to a fancy restaurant and how it just felt really strange because I just wasn't used to that. But yeah. But I hope you enjoy our chat and I'll see you in a bit.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. work work
2: and what you have so many titles
3: <laughs> journalist yeah, what am
2: i comment are you a commentator on wrestling
3: uh not commentator no um i am a ring announcer oh wow yeah I and that and even that. that's only sort of uh i just i just feeling in for it really don't, <laughs> don't ask me how it started because it's a whole it's a whole thing but it, it was just one of those things where i was like i've done this all my life in terms of like i've been a wrestling fan since birth so I've yeah. always like played wrestling and as a result of it introduced wrestlers like myself and my brother or whatever <laughs> you know what I mean I've sort of always like done it and so um yeah I I work behind the scenes at um NXT UK which is the WWE's British arm um, I do some behind the scenes stuff there anyway and um
2: is that is that up where you are
3: No I come to London for that
2: Oh it's in London
3: Yeah okay. So um how so yeah did just just do
2: that
3: so we're away for one week out of every uh say about six or seven and we do two days of filming um okay. and so i've just filled in for the ring announcer a, a few times um yeah and so but but you do it for a couple of days and then it runs over like eight episodes of tv so like eight so weeks what are you of TV. in the ring No, I don't. I stand on ringside, which is flipping lucky because I'm the kind of person that will fall over on my arsehole in front of everybody, do you know what I mean? (laughs) So no, I stand at ringside and and do all the announcements. (laughs) I know, it's nerve-wracking because I'm not a public speaker at all. I'm very behind the scenes and I've always thought, because I'm like, I live in a fat body. I'm I'm not like, you know, I'm pretty chill with it. But as a result of that, I know that, you know, my accent and the way that I look means that I'm not really... I've never thought anyway that I would ever be able to, like, broadcast in any way, that my writing would always be just me behind a screen. So I never really thought that I would ever host anything. So I've never really thought about it on, like, a super serious level. I've only ever just... I don't know. just done it for fun with my friends and, you know, like I said, at home. And so when when they were talking about ring announcing, I was like, I'll, I'll do that. I'll give that a go. And I, I was sort of just half joking, but, um, they said, Oh, well send us a video of you doing it. And I was like, I've got nothing. I can't do this, but I did. <laughs> so I, so I ignored it and didn't send anything. And then one of our colleagues over there had said, look, record yourself pretending and send it over and let them have a look. Cause you never know what might happen. So I did. And then m- months passed. It must've been months. um, and then yeah, they they contacted me and said like, would you be up for doing it in front of a live crowd? <laughs> it's, just, it's just still so ludicrous to me to think about. It's just stupid, and I was like, uh, yeah, sure. And then went and did it, but I w- it was extremely high stress. Like, I, d- I did. How it in- many people oh, God. are in the
2: crowd?
3: Uh, we don't have all that many at the moment, just because of the way that like COVID is, and in the BT Sports studios, there's like not all that much space. So, a a couple of hundred, I'd I'd guess. But But, I'm just going to press record on here just in case. No problem.
2: Um, That's still quite a lot. 200 people is a lot of people. Man,
3: it's 200 people more than I'm used to. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: So, So, anyway. like the first time you did it?
3: Absolutely terrifying. Have you
2: done anything in front of people? Ever?
3: No. I I I have. um, I used to work on a newspaper about eight years ago and a story that I did for them was I trained to become like a stand-up comic. So I I did this. So every week I would go to these like stand-up comic lessons and write about it. And then I did a a stand-up routine, but it was very rehearsed and very, um, very scripted. And I don't know, it didn't mean as much to me because it was just... Me in front of yeah. a bunch of my pals were there. Whereas this is, like, yeah. flipping WWE, you know. It's, I've been watching yeah. this since I was born. So, like, the pressure... It, not the pressure that anyone else gave to me because everyone was wicked. But the pressure yeah. that I put on myself was, like, a lot. And I, I I remember after we finished, i just got myself into such a state. We walked outside. Me and... I don't know if you know Jim Smallman. He's a creative director yes. there. Yeah, a, yeah, run, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the Detraction Pieces Network had a podcast. Um, but me and him, like, left BT Sports Studios... And as soon as the, I don't know if it was just the fresh air hit me or something, but I just opened my mouth and just projectile vomited all over the place. And poor, poor Jim, he's got like, he's got a real thing about sick, like he cannot hack it. And I was just, spew, I couldn't even speak. I, I was just walking, there was a spew everywhere. And so we got there for the the second day of taping and got out the car Walked back through, and like there was just sick everywhere. You know the fans had got to be there. It was just horrible. It was just really stressful. Oh my god! So
2: yeah, I got myself into a right state. But <laughs> well, it's funny, isn't it, when you think about that? How much pressure you obviously put yourself under
3: to yeah.
2: make yourself do that. But
3: you I know. did it. Something that I have to really tell myself is that like discomfort. Because I've got quite—I mean, I'm sure we'll probably get into it because it seems to be like the overarching thing in my life. But I've got quite a lot of like, you know, ish, <laughs> mental health issues, <laughs> particularly more in more like the more recent years, as I'm sure a lot of people have. And something that I have to really tell myself is that discomfort is the price of progression, right? It's the price of yeah. development. You know, if you're uncomfortable, yeah. then it probably means that you you're going for a learning or growing experience. Yeah. Um, and so I have to I have to tell myself that because my instant go to is you know what no I'll, I yeah. don't, I don't think I will thanks I think I'll just sit at home yeah. and do nothing. So that's my go to default. So I have to just try and reprogram my brain with it really to accept yeah. accept it as a
2: positive rather than being like but it's <laughs> it's an amazing thing to know that but actually doing that it takes a lot of courage I think to Put yourself out of your comfort zone and your safety mm, so that's, yeah it's amazing I'm, that you can and that that should do you do you realize that
3: do you um, realize what, what
2: you, you are I'll
3: doing do. I, I think sometimes after the fact particularly with the wrestling thing because as soon as i did it i just thought even if they never ask me to do it again no one will ever take it away from me i did it i really yeah. did it and and you know yes. and it's an incredible thing to be able to like to tell people particularly like you know my friends and that who I know through wrestling, who will just be my wrestling friends forever. To just be able to be like, oh yeah, I did, I did ring announcing for WWE. It's like, what the hell are you That's talking amazing. about? I still just it's think it's amazing. Really ma- yeah, I do. I, do I, mean, I can appreciate that it is yeah. really cool, and I think it was um that in itself was nice. But when they asked me again to go back and do it again, I thought, well, it can't have been that bad. And yeah, it's just I'm I'm, I'm learning to accept it and to. To enjoy the process but I'm a yeah I'm a bit of a funny one really so I, I, I struggle sometimes to just enjoy the moment I'm always yeah. stri- striving for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing I'm a bit of a bit of a goer like that really <laughs> a goer
2: but, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's boring. understandable and especially in those it they're nerve-wracking it's not I mean that standing in front of loads of people is a very scary thing yeah you know yeah i think but you do get used to it
3: yeah i hope that i will
2: you will you do it's just the more you do it the more it becomes normal you know yeah I mean? like it, it does yeah
3: it certainly was better the second time I went and did it. The third time I went and did it. The fourth time I went and did it it was it, it was certainly like much more chill and I think when once you get your head around the fact that like generally people don't wanna see you fail, you know what I mean, yes. people want you to yeah. do so it yeah. when I'm standing there talking talking to the crowd or whatever. If I like, it's not so much the announcements because those are easy to do. So for example, like this person is coming to the ring weighing this much, all that is very scripted. You can plan all that. But it's the stuff in between, like where you've got to talk to the crowd. And I think, you know, I've I got myself into into such a headspace about it where it was like i sound like an idiot i sound like an idiot you don't sound right you sound like an idiot and i think you know i have to stop and think like people don't want to see you fail they're there to have fun and so they're they're going to be receptive to it and so it's it's just all a, it's just all a process but i think that um because of the way that nxt uk is it is very much a developmental territory for like the bigger it's developmental territory for the bigger wrestling basically in america so you know raw and smackdown or whatever at wwe like nxt was always like a feeder yeah yeah. that's at at least that's how i've seen it i can't i i I am freelance i don't speak on behalf of wwe so i I can't can't say for sure what they would say but that's certainly i think what it began as it was it was like a developmental territory and so it's quite nice that that also can go for me, you know what I mean? I'm not that I'm going to yeah. go up and go to America because they've got an abundance Never of talents, but it's the fact that like they're willing to develop m- my skill set and and like yeah. you know the guys over in America that, that tr like trained me in it, they were just so generous with like their time and their their skills and pa- passing on that information, and I, j- I I just sat there and I was like, I'd pay you. To have this, you know what I mean? I'd pay you to tell me this information. Yeah. It was like a masterclass with some of the best announcers in the world. So I just, I just feel just super lucky that I get to be on that little journey as well.
2: But they've all felt exactly the same way as you do. Everyone's like got if, a first time, and not they? Everyone's got a first time, and everyone has imposter syndrome. Yeah. You, well, I think there maybe are a couple of people who don't have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think but it I all think depends on how
3: you're brought up do. as well, right? If you're brought up to believe, how
2: much you care about it as well. Like if it's something that you really love, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. That is, yeah. yeah.
3: But yeah, I think it probably helps if you've been brought up to believe in yourself. Whereas I've like been, I I never really got that. So it's all just having to be something that I'm finding as I as I go.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But what I want to go back to what you said about living in a fat body and feeling like you couldn't because of where you're from. Yeah, imagine yourself doing something like that which is heartbreaking to hear because anyone can do anything but also I completely get where you're coming from yeah because I'm a woman (laughs) yeah I've been told that I've got to be skinny my whole life from whatever you know yeah Uh, do you feel like I feel like things are getting more not acceptable but more I mean, you're used to seeing more different kinds of body types now, yeah. And it's, it's like, like people are definitely starting to pave the way because it it doesn't fucking matter. Do you know what no, I mean? well you but... think that it
3: doesn't, but like it still impacts me every day with like my job, my job, like d- the other side of what I do. So the WWE stuff is great, and and the guy the guys over in America, I would said to them straight from the outset, like I never thought that I would get the opportunity to do something like this, being the way that I am, and they were just like you're a badass, what the hell are you on about, like, yeah. they, they couldn't, and, and I used to think, it's a sports brand, you've got all these ripped and shredded people, I grew up watching wrestling, and the women that, I couldn't look up to the women as people that I felt like I could grow up to be, because they were just sort of and just so stunning, and, you know slender muscular and athletic and just gorgeous and i just so i used to look up to like brett hart because i felt like he was short and i was short and he like pink yeah. and i like pink i was going about this but but i couldn't see myself in women in 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 wrestling yeah. but that i mean yeah. that's by the by because just the way that they are with me they're just like we don't all that we care about is your talent we don't care yeah. about anything else like you know and they're just so Supportive and like Alicia, who's the NXT um, ring announcer in America. She is just so such a cheerleader. She's such a like. She just she really encourages me to be myself. But in my other job, which is journalist, as as in that's my that's my bread and butter, my everyday yeah. job. The the hate that I get for being a fat person is out of control. I've never experienced it in any like I have recently. I had a a, a story that sort of went went viral i suppose you'd say and it got a lot more eyes on me and while that was really yeah. cool because i got a lot of people saying like how happy they were to read it and how joyful they felt in that experience and we got to share that together the hate that i get for being a fat person honestly it's it's out of control they've had to start turning off um comments on my stories to like protect yeah because they have to like put prote- obviously they protect the, the editors have to protect us as journalists and they do yeah. a, they do a lot behind the scenes to protect us but it's just humiliating you know to not be able to have those not, not be able to have those comments on because people just 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 rip me to shreds for being fat it's it's miserable mama, man. it's really miserable especially considering i'm writing a lot of food stuff recently it's like do you yeah. want me, do you want me to just die do you want me to just die yeah. do you want me to just starve myself what do you want me to do yeah oh man yeah. it's been it's been a bit of a rough go really
2: i can't believe, but i just i suppose I don't, I don't understand what drives people to respond in such a hateful way to something which i mean whatever you look like and however you are has got absolutely nothing to do with anyone else or it doesn't affect anyone else no yeah
3: and a lot of people have said you know if it weren't for the fact that you were fat there'd be something else that they would get you for because it's mostly like you know men misogynistic (laughs) men it's mostly men that say these horrible things but then they get like a lot of likes on their comment and that gives them like courage like oh yeah we like what you say you know we like what you're saying or whatever but yeah i think a lot of it even on story, like when there's a picture of me if somebody wants to comment and say this fat pig or whatever then fair right it's not fair it's it's un- it's it's grossly unfair but like i can kind of see how that would happen whereas like there's stories where there's no picture of me whatsoever but people will remember that i'm fat and comment about it on those stories oh, oh it's just God. so cruel it's just so cruel i don't know it's just cruel man I'm sh- i've been struggling <laughs> to deal with that i'll be honest well
2: i'm not fucking surprised because it's horrible you're being attacked for it's something that's completely irrelevant to anything yeah it's like them having a go because you've got dark hair yeah or just any of your
3: attributes yeah it's yeah i think it's because i think it's because like for a lot of people weight is something that you can control so therefore when you're a fat person they think you're fat because of your own life decisions and choices and you know, that's just not... We all know that that's not true. Yeah. We know that that's not true. I think it's, like, thin privilege to think that that's a... Yeah. It's a decision that yeah. you make. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I could get myself out and go to the gym if I wanted to be a bit thinner. I could eat better if I wanted to be a bit thinner. But, like, you know, the sometimes getting out of bed and just doing your flipping job in the day is yeah. is all you can do. And and yeah. But nobody's going to understand that, are they? And I just think, would you say this to your kids? What the hell... I I don't
2: understand. i think unless you go through something you don't understand what it's like it's like when i first had a baby trying to deal with the tube and a pram was just like i couldn't believe how people just didn't help you they didn't get out of the way they just it's like they didn't see you but then i was like that i mean not as bad i'd like God, to see yeah but before i had a pram yeah i i wasn't aware of how hard it was to have a pram Do yeah you know what I, mean? it's like, I know what so you mean if, if you've never struggled with eating habits or the fact that i mean i've got friends who are stick thin and when we were younger they they ate 10 times what i ate and and
3: just never got didn't fatter
2: exercise never got fat yeah. I looked at a packet of biscuits and i put on half stone you yeah know, and i have to i i've always had i had eating disorders in the past i still struggle i'm trying to cut down on my sugar intake but i find it really hard because that is my comfort i gave up alcohol yeah (laughs) well done but thank you but sugar people if it was seen as like if it was like cocaine or something Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. people would kind of understand the difficulty people have yeah for this from my experience yeah the fucking sugar That it's so hard to stop, but because it's an accepted thing and everyone has it, yeah, realise how addictive it can be or how hard it can be to, yeah, to cut that out.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, I got, I was quite unwell a couple of years ago, um, and got, got put onto a medication, and and one of the side effects of that medication, which is medication that keeps me alive, frankly, one of the side effects of that life saving medication is that it, it increases your appetite it makes yeah. you sleep a lot it's just you know the point of it is it, yeah. it ke- keeps you from dying of depression but you get given that and then that's, that's it. And then that's your yeah. life then. And so, you know, yeah. sometimes like getting up and moving my body is hard because I'm tired and the fatter I yeah. get, the harder that is to do. You know, yeah. probably should put trigger warning on this really for for the things that we're talking about. But um, but yeah, sometimes it's like, sometimes just getting out of bed is all I can do, mate. So if you want me to just be thin, so I'm not pissing you yeah. off on some article when I'm trying to live my life, then I, that's, that's a you problem. Because happy people yeah. don't say things like that to people. Yeah, happy people exactly. don't. Yeah. So yeah. you just have to f- feel bad for them, really, that that's their
2: life, and it. I'd, yeah, and I do, because I, I do think that. Like I said to you, like well, I don't know what drives someone to see an article or see someone doing, living their life, yeah, being happy, but and then feeling that need to attack them for something about themselves that hasn't got anything to do with.
3: Definitely, like that, I think another part that of that is from... that is that, you know life's really hard for a lot of people at the moment and you know the price of everything's going up and life's really difficult so when they see someone whose job it is to go out and have a free dinner which is effectively what i do when i do a food review right the newspaper pays me and the newspaper pays for my dinner so i go out and eat food and don't have to pay for it and have a great time in a michelin star restaurant and i write about it and i appreciate that that is i'm really very fortunate to be able to do that but they see that and they're just like fuck this bitch i've got to go out and graft every day and this girl's got this and i can understand how people would have like anger in themselves but it's just the way that it comes out and how i have to be on the other end of that that's like that's cruel and difficult and i'm sure that if i could have a conversation with that person and pull them aside and be like look man this is what's going on here this is the truth this is the truth of the matter this is what's led up to this they don't see like all the student debt that i got into to be able to be a journalist in the first place or all of the fucking trauma in my life that led to me being a fat person that if i could just level with them i'm sure that we could just go you know what? But we'll let's agree to just live and let live. But because they're on the computer and we don't have that discussion, they they just they're just acting out, aren't they? Sad, but really. The is,
2: there's so many people out there with grotesque amounts of money, living <laughs> extremely wealthy lifestyles. That you know, it's not they don't direct their anger at the right people. Yeah, it's think. no, that's true. You know, it's, it's like yeah. they pick on the easy targets.
3: Yeah, but again, like I'll just say that that there's they're just sad guys man because happy guys yeah, don't yeah. don't do things like that and so yeah. I, ju- I, I don't know it would just be nice to be able to have a conversation but no one's come up to me in the streets and said you know you, you you're a fat bitch or whatever people don't say it's my face they just say it yeah. on the internet and it's my my choice you know i like to engage with readers i like to see what they like and what they don't like or if they've had similar experiences but i've had to learn to like not look at the comments sections of things and that's i just think yeah. that's such a shame
2: it is a shame is there is there any comeback on any of it
3: um i i think just, i think they're trying to make that a thing where they you know they hold people accountable for the way that they are being but i, I just think you know there's a, they can they can block somebody from commenting on the website ever again or whatever but there's always ways around these things it's like it's like any online bullying it's just rife and yeah. it and it's hot it's hard to please it's like the wild west out there still
2: well i'm sorry i'm sorry thanks this man bullshit and yeah it's a shame it.
3: yeah it's important to remember as well the fact that like since so it was one particular article it's probably worth me just mentioning briefly what that article was because we're talking about it and it, 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 some your yeah. readers aren't going to know what we're about but i did i did a, a food review of a michelin star restaurant um and it was just like uncommon as muck and spent 150 pounds in a michelin star restaurant to see if it was worth it and so the article was just yeah. about my experience there and and how in the end i did feel like it was worth it um yeah. and a lot of people like a lot i'm talking like hundreds of people have contacted me as a result of that article and just said i just felt like i was right there with you what this yeah. brought me joy and because the there's obviously a lot of heartbreak and misery in the world at the moment i think people are just it was like a nice change from what they were seeing yeah. in the news um and so for every hateful comment there's probably 200 lovely comments um from people that just had a great time so i have to try and look to that as well and not get bogged down with the with yeah. the misery of it really but yeah. it's
2: yeah i i get that and you to it all the accolades that you get and all the love and praise, it is shit that the one shit thing you'll get will hurt. You know? Yeah. You kind of not focus on it, but it does affect you. It's hard to kind of think, no, I'm going to concentrate on the positive, but... And, I
3: think... I, and I've and i been struggling a little bit with understanding um, my relationship to these comments from people that I don't know. So, for example if nigella lawson says i love this article this is great and then bill from birmingham says this is shit you're a fat bitch <laughs> like why am i give more weight to nigella in that moment because it's like it's yeah. nigella isn't it and yeah, fuck yeah. bill but but yeah. realistically both of those people's opinions are are equal value, really? Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, you know, not to give too much credence to somebody like Bill from Birmingham yeah. who's calling me fat. But there's, there's a, there's a situation in my mind there where I have to process and think. Just, just because Nigella's Nigella and this guy is hateful, like what? Nobody's opinion means more than anyone else's opinion in this world, and that's hard for yeah. me to process because then it's like, if I, if I'm going to give credence to one, I then have to do it for both. Or I have to ignore both and just carry on and not let the, either of them affect me. So it's it's still a work but, in progress.
2: <laughs> but also, if someone's given a critique on the article that you've written and they're saying that it's good because of how it is, or yeah, it's bad because of how it is. Then yeah, that's fair enough. But if someone's just like attacking how you look, yeah, you right. That's got, got nothing, nothing to do with the article. So that's you know. That's just them being a dick. Yeah, and you, you can't are just right. And not say something's
3: shit. Mm, yeah. That's not a critique, is it? No, that's true. But then you so, know, I don't know. it I don't know. It's a it's a balance. It's just it's just a balance. It's a balance I'm striking to try and like be see see like the humanity in both both sides of that and like there's a lot you know there's a lot of people that contacted me and said you know i'm just tell you're a really nice person and i'm and i just think that's really sweet but how i don't i I don't understand you know i just i'm struggling with um yeah i'm I'm just struggling with the the feedback in general really and just taking it for what it is i don't know that's a me problem i
0: think
2: (laughs) it's a hard it's hard but you at least you're working through it and i just be, keep be going exactly the same yeah just you. keep
3: going with it like just keep putting the same energy into my stories i've been a journalist for 15 years now and you know i've probably had more store like hits in the last two weeks than i've ever had in my entire career in yeah. terms of readership you know and um but I've always put this out. I've always tried to put the same energy into everything that I've ever, ever written. And so I'm just going to keep keep on. And not it it was a significant milestone in my career that that story. Yeah. Um. How did it come
2: about? Was it something that you wanted to do, or did the paper ask you to do it? No,
3: it was a it was a mere idea um the michelin guide had come out and um we didn't get any new michelin stars in birmingham we've still got five which is the most of any other city outside of london um and i just thought you know it would be cool to go and just be like is it worth it and i'd said to them and they were like look we can't put a flipping michelin star thing on expenses because it's expensive you know (laughs) And, and i was like okay well what if i pay for the meal myself and don't claim it on expenses and writing up because I'd, I'd I'd quite like to do it anyway. I'd quite like to go for a yeah. Michelin star meal. And so my editor was like, "Well, if you're sure, then yeah, go do it." Um, and so I just went and did it, and it was just a bit of a like a life-altering experience in a lot of ways.
2: Really? Yeah. What was the restaurant you went to? It was
3: Adams in Birmingham. I'd heard from the former food reporter at the Birmingham Mail, who's moved on now. She's um, at the Mirror. But she'd said to me, if you're going to go to any, go to Adams, because that's like the closest to two Michelin stars. And I was like, oh, well, if I'm going to be bougie, I might as well really, really go in. And um, so I decided that that was where I wanted to go, and so I booked and paid for it. And then when I arrived at the Birmingham Mail in the morning, my colleague Tamlin, who's uh, the like uh, business editor, he just looked at me and he was like, you're not going dressed like that, are you? <laughs> because i just i'm always just like dressed like this like a 13 year old boy always have always will and i was like shit am i badly dressed for this experience like am i gonna be allowed in and i was like really stressing about it um and then yeah just just went by myself and it was just unbelievable it's just an unbelievable experience that will just stay with me for the rest of my life i feel like it's it's altered the course of my life it's weird just dinner yeah I do I really do I felt I felt like it was so significant and when I came out of the restaurant I mean people can read the article if they're interested in what like what food I had and that but when I came out of the restaurant I went home I went straight home and wrote it up like I live about 10 minutes away I wrote up the article straight away and it just flowed out of me I can't explain it it was like I was so enthused and so like inspired and excited that as i as i left i just felt great and then when i sat down to write it it just came out really easy blasted it out in like 15 minutes it was just like just buzzing I just, it was like yeah. a, it was and so you know i think that's what people liked really is that you could tell it felt i think people could tell that i was like buzzing my tits off on this yeah. dinner
2: <laughs> and that came across in the article yeah um it's, it's a great read was... i really enjoyed it thank and you and i completely got all the the How little touches helps, yeah, yeah that make you feel so special
3: man i felt like a million dollars yeah. i never i never felt so special in my life and that's really tragic isn't it but i've ne- i've never ju- i just felt so i don't know it i just felt like the, it was the culmination of like so many moving parts that it just yeah. felt like a, a serendipitous dinner. i don't know this is really cheesy isn't it it just <laughs> i was no. like i just everything just everything that i just felt the like I just felt the journey of everything like the chef yeah. and all of his experiences that had led to this moment and like every ingredient and how, where they would come from, or where the thought that went in behind them. And then that, that chef took his knowledge and experiences, put it into something that I consumed and then passed that joy to me. And then I went home and in my own way. I put that out into the world, and then other people consume that, as it were, yeah. and just this amazing energy. Like I don't know, I just it was silly, but I just was like, I just feel like this is just passing good vibes through the universe. It just yeah. felt really like significant. I don't know,
2: this is silly, no, isn't it? I know it's a, probably no, silly it's to it's listen not to. Silly, <laughs> it's lovely, and it's lovely that you had that experience. I imagine that whoever made that food that you ate, that's got to be the best.
3: Well, I've been Does back to see him since. I, I went to see him last um, last Saturday. The, the restaurant invited me back to go and have a tour of the kitchen um, on the back of that article because they'd seen it and were obviously really pleased. And when I got there, I, I, I got there a little bit early because I knew that their like PRs were going to be there. And they, I don't know, there's like a... I, prs are really useful but i always feel a little bit like stressed like i've got to provide a provider story or got to do yeah, something yeah. i don't know it's a different vibe but, but I, so i went and it was just a few minutes early so i could just like stand there with the chef and i'd like, be like flipping out that was mental wasn't it and just have a real human moment um and so it was really nice to like meet him and he said that the night before somebody from california had gone and s- and booked out the chef's table downstairs, and just had whatever like Kirsty Bosley had. had. They just wanted what I'd had because no they'd play. read the story. I know what a oh mental my experience. God. I know oh it's my just God. incredible, and that I mean that was just like I don't know. I just it was just amazing, really. And a a, a few people had messaged me because the story. I got an email from a guy in California who'd said um i don't know if you know of this website but it's quite significant in um the the silicon valley and your story was like on the home page of that and i don't know if you realized that was quite a big deal and i was like no i didn't i didn't realize but then i had a bunch of emails from people in california just saying like loved your story and then i had a few people that messaged me and said i would like to pay for your dinner and people were, and people were messaging just being like i'd I'd love to be able to because it was 150 pounds i spent in the end yeah. and they were like i'd love to send you 150 pounds and i was like i can't accept that but if you'd like to there's a homeless um charity called cypher fireside in birmingham i was like if you'd like to donate some money to them in my name so buy some other people dinner that would be yeah. lovely and then cypher fireside contacted me and said that they'd had don- donations and like people were sending me receipts saying um I've sent £150 to Cypher Fireside. I couldn't believe that it. That's so amazing. Isn't that... Like, do you see what I'm saying? Why I think yeah. that there was, like, proof in the passing good vibes around the universe. Yeah, yeah. Because somebody, somebody else then went and had great dinner. Somebody else then sent money and so that other people could eat. I don't know, man. There was just something super significant about that. But a few, yeah, a few people... So I money. know. And then this lovely bloke... Um, who he him, him and his wife love food, and um, they have been they'd been to a, a few Michelin star restaurants, and he just sent money to another Michelin star restaurant in Birmingham for a voucher that then just arrived in my inbox so that I could go and have another Michelin star meal at another Michelin star restaurant in Birmingham. And because he just wanted to give me a gift and I was just so touched by that, honestly. I I wrote him a letter and told him about how how grateful I was. But I was just like, this is just so so lovely. lovely. I know, it's just just this joy. is like passing through from person to person. It's significant, isn't it? I feel like, (laughs) oh, I want to cry thinking about it. It was just so great. Oh, so lovely. I know.
2: But do you think almost because all these wonderful things have happened that's why you've had to deal with the shit as well the yeah she's got just, a kind of balance
3: yeah it's just been a bit of a you know what I mean? yeah it's like an emotional emotional uh situation isn't it you know because you've got all these different emotions that it's brought out of you like yeah. joy and happiness and you know gratitude and also you know as a result you've got all this like the misery and the sadness and it's I don't know it just feels like considering all I did was go out for dinner at a restaurant it just feels like extre- like it's been an extremely significant like experience for me yeah. which I appreciate is also mental <laughs> but I never claimed not to be mental I told you from yeah. the outset
2: <laughs> I think it's amazing and that is so lovely and it does just make you feel nice when you know that there's nice people in the world yeah, incredible. All the and kindness.
3: Yeah, and I think just having um, different people's eyes on my stories because that's for yeah. me. It's all I've ever wanted to do. Like it's all I've ever wanted to do ever since very small child. I was like drawing a newspaper and writing stories. It's it's oh, really? all it's all I've ever wanted to do all my life. Is just to write stories for people to read. Um, yeah, and so to have all those eyes on it and for people to enjoy it has just been so beautiful and um you know I've got I've got a meeting in London next week with um like a literary agent that had been and read my stories and, and said that they would be interested if I wanted to discuss like what my future looks like in terms of like if I'd want to write anything more like bu- a book or something i know so i'm going to <gasps> I, know, I know i know i know i know i know i know so <laughs> Oh my God. i know when, when i got that email in my inbox uh, and, and i just thought like even if nothing comes of this this literary agent and they represent like sunday times bestsellers this agent i know and when i saw just the idea of like how many th- articles and stories and words do they read every day and then they found me and liked my work it's just it just feels like I just can't believe, like I just cannot believe it. It just feels like so wonderful. I just, it's just that is it's be- It's just one of the best things that's ever happened in my whole life. Oh,
2: so exciting! Oh no,
3: thanks, man.
2: I just feel so like- is that you've always wanted to be a journalist
3: all my life since, since very, very, very small. Um, and I even remember when I was in like year nine or whatever doing my Sats, I chose my options for because i wanted to be a journalist and i've got like i used to write letters to the express and star which was my local newspaper growing up which i did end up writing for and end up with a column in there but i used to write um write letters to them just like begging them for work experience begging them to let me go in just see what they were doing and i used to go and i used to get on the bus and i would post it through their letterbox and it was always like well maybe when you're 16 and then it was maybe when you're 18 and then it was we're not accepting work experience anymore and on and on um but yeah it's just it's all i've ever it's all i've ever wanted to do in my whole life and so it just it's just so it's so lovely that I get to do that it, yeah it's it's just it's just amazing but it it is also it comes with its own like set set of difficulties because i've like strived for this all my life um once you then like achieve that and you've got this cool thing it leaves you with a bit of a void where that. Sh- where that desire was, yeah, and so it's tr- about trying to channel that and think about what, you know, what else I want to do because I do I do feel like t- to to a large extent I'm like living my little dream. You know what I mean? I do yeah. I, I do get to like live my little dream, and so but you just yeah, it's like yeah, I want to. No, you never it. know. You never know. Would you want
2: to write a book?
3: Uh, i guess so but i've always thought that it was completely out out of the realm of possibility for me but i I, um just because uh, i let me think about this because it's quite deep isn't it but i think that my my background my history of like i was brought up in uh, um like challenging circumstances i I, I was a single parent and um, I had m- m- my main caregiver struggled with addiction all my life. And so Bye. we lived in like po- poverty, I'd, I'd describe yeah. it as, I suppose now. Um, and And, you know, kids like me from like a real shit end of town or, you know, from the kind of background that I'm from, like we don't, have those same there's no one telling you like you could you could do this you could be this this could be you so all my life my desire to be a journalist and to strive for more has been as much if not more about escaping that as it has been achieving something good you know it's always been like running away from and even now like any desire that i've ever got to make money is only because i just can't be poor i just can't live like i can't i can't even imagine going back to that time of like not having toilet roll or washing hair and washing up liquid or just any of those terrible things that like come with being living in poverty and i just i I think that a lot of that has been you know the, the, the striving to get out of that situation and so i just never thought that anybody like me would be able to grow up to be anything really (laughs) is the the long and short of it um so i've never really thought about a book as being a realistic thing until i've and now as a 34 year old woman you know i'm having to really look at that and go i can i can achieve i can achieve things and and it's okay to dream big dreams or to have ambitions outside of just like escaping the escaping like a bad time so yeah it's um it's all just a bit of a work in progress really do
2: you know what you'd like to write about
3: about? uh no i really don't i I, I can't imagine that i'd want to do um fiction i I don't think my imagination's like good enough for that (laughs) but i'd quite like to do some non-fiction stuff um maybe it just be a, a collection of articles as chapters you know and yeah but I don't really know enough about food to be a food writer. I really don't think that I am. And also, I'm a vegetarian. What? So that's like, you're cutting out three quarters of your, yeah. <laughs> your possibilities straight away.
2: What do you usually write? What kind of what, what stories, stories do you usually write? I will write of... anything
3: for money. <laughs> <laughs> I will write anything for money. <laughs> I'm freelance. I've been freelance for about eight years. And I, I will just write. I'll just write anything you need me to write. I'm like pretty pretty good at turning my hand to like whatever so i've done like copywriting for travel companies that have wanted like like luxury travel companies to write about destinations i've done that yeah i haven't been there but i've written about them i've learned about them and, and written about them and you know i really like to facilitate other people telling their stories so i really like to interview particularly local people that have like done something cool i like to tell their stories um and so i i I'll write anything re- realistically yeah. and the way that things have been with freelancing you just never know like I've ne- I've never been well off or successful enough to be able to choose what I want to do so yeah. if they're like we need somebody to cover shopping stories for t- for a month can you do it I'll do it yeah. um yeah. so I've never really found my niche I guess features it- it is probably it where I can you know be a little bit more like colorful with my storytelling um so i really loved i really love to write features but but what that looks like i don't know but more recently everyone's like now i've got like a bunch of new followers that want want more food stories and so i i, I wonder if maybe i'm just gonna get i'm just gonna fall into that groove for a bit
2: yeah yeah well yeah.
3: why not why not if oh, I'm getting I free dinners, I flipping love a free dinner every single day. How am I joking? <laughs> Self deprecating fat joking before you can get me. <laughs> I'm
2: only joking. Do you do that a lot?
3: Yeah, I've got to stop it. It's not yeah. good. Yeah, it's not it's not good. I notice it when like sometimes if I'm around like kids, so like my partner's kids, um, I'll like make funny jokes about like oh you you need to give me more space than that for my fat bum or whatever and I'll make jokes make jokes and I just think if I ever heard any of them speak to each other or themselves the way that I speak about me I would be yeah. gutted and that's yeah. like you know that's that's a big responsibility isn't it?
2: Yeah, but that that's a good way to help you be kinder to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Because if you know that people that you love, how you'd hate for them to be like yeah that, to talk about it. Thing, I, I I am
3: guilty it? of doing it i, I am yeah. guilty of doing it self i think self-deprecating humor is quite british isn't it, and, yeah, I'll, it is. and i'll always get myself on something before that it was like well i mentioned to you earlier it's like oh just like a big 13 year old boy like in my 13 bo- year old boy clothes i just wear, wear the same clothes since i was a kid like you know yeah but um yeah there's, there's always something but I, I do need to work on that it's something I, I am aware that i do need to work on it's not good is it
2: But it's not. But then also, don't be hard on yourself about that. Do you you know what I mean? (laughs) It's just, I think if you're aware of trying to be kinder to yourself just every day, just kind of trying to grow on that, and then eventually you will stop. Yeah. I do it. I take the piss out of myself. I dress like a 13-year-old boy. (laughs) And Lola, who's 11, her mate's got the same trainers that I've got
3: cool I'd feel I good about taxi. that
2: See? I told you I just <laughs> I 12 cool. year boy
3: yeah <laughs>
2: but yeah I love it's something taxi. that I want to
3: work on people don't make it easy for you to work on it though do they particularly now like the way that you know there's a lot of um, a lot of bad vibes sometimes and so just yeah it's something I've got to work on so that will get, get thin ex-
2: and then they'll leave me alone yeah. <laughs> But it's just so... Oh, I don't get it. I don't understand. I suppose it's... Maybe that's... Like, because you can't be racist or homophobic as easy as you used to be able to. Maybe people are clinging on to the...
3: The hate know, that they're allowed to spouse. Yeah,
2: yeah. Maybe it's the last thing. <laughs> maybe, yeah, we've just got to work on this one now. But how did you get into the wrestling you're just always a massive fan
3: yeah just since just since birth my um i've got an older brother who's about 20 i think he's about 20 months older than me and we used to watch it together as kids and then there would be so somebody that my mom knew used to have sky so they would record the wrestling and then give the tape to us and then we used to watch the wrestling the next day yeah so i've just always loved it all my life and then um as I got a bit older, uh, when I started work when I was about sixteen, when I was seventeen, I started working in a music shop, working with a guy there who'd started to wrestle, um, like on the independent scene and I didn't know anything about independent wrestling. And so he introduced me to that. Um and we just all used to go to the wrestling to watch him. And then after that it just I just never stopped going. I just always I thought always gone. Yeah. Um and then I I had the podcast on this network. Can you remember the... Yes. um ...Cheese Night Jaw, which I still do have. I've not, like, lost the podcast. It still exists. But there was a, a whole nightmare a couple of years ago um, in which a lot of shit came out about uh, the abuse of power in wrestling and there was a whole, like, Me Too speaking out movement. Right, okay. And ever after that, I've, like, struggled to... Um, to support it in any any way I'm oh still, really yeah i just i just don't it's just hard to to talk about and i feel like i don't know who who you can interview without feeling like i don't know if this person's legit like has this person hurt someone and you know oh, it's really? just yeah it just it just it's just been it's just been rubbish really independent wrestling has just turned into a bit of a being sad oh shit yeah. that's bad yeah it is bad it's really 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 bad But still, not much has changed, I don't think. Are they not
2: doing anything about it, really?
3: No. So, um, an all-party parliamentary group for wrestling was set up and I went to a few meetings with them um, just to find out what they were doing and what their plans were. And very much the idea was um, wrestling doesn't fall under sport because it's predetermined. And so Sports England won't accept it as being like a a legitimate sport. And then it's not quite entertainment because while it is, it's still a bit sporty. So it just falls into this like no man's land where no one's policing it. So like anyone can teach you how to wrestle and that person could be a flipping nightmare paedophile and you would never know. And so it's just... It's rough, man. It, it, it's probably not even worth me taking you down the rabbit hole because it'll make you depressed.
2: But that's ridiculous.
3: Don't so even like start being, me, mate.
2: Do what it wants
3: and... I know. So all we're doing, like, behind the scenes still now, me and, like, a group of people that's, that still, camp- like, campaign for for change and reform and for someone to listen and it's just difficult to get anyone to listen to what you're trying to say and it's just like oh how many people have got to get hurt it's like gymnastics right how many people have got have their lives ruined or you know destroyed how many survivors have got to come forward and say that it happened to them until anybody goes you know what actually let's do something about it it's just it's just miserable as sin just so miserable but it, it sort of killed independent wrestling for me i can't i don't feel like i can trust it
2: that's fair mm. enough.
3: Yeah. Oh, shit, though. Is, is it very male dominated? Yeah. Pretty male dominated I'd yeah. say. There's certainly in more recent years there's a lot more female voices within it. And I think a lot of places are trying to um to be more inclusive on their boards or behind the scenes, um, to include other people. But yeah, it has been a bit of a dude fest for a long time. Yeah. By its nature, right? Just yeah there's not that many girls that are into wrestling it's just the way that it's always been but um but what what that does mean is that like you've got stupid idiot boys right that have gone from being this nerd at school that never had any friends that like wrestling to being a wrestler and then loads of people have been like wow you're a my hero now and the, what power dynamic that causes and yeah. how that could then be turned into evil which seems to be that's something that a lot of dudes are into yeah. <laughs> turning things into evil
2: How <laughs> you joking yes but yeah there's a lot of that go- going Happy around days. isn't there horrible
3: situation oh. yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of like killed independent wrestling for me for a and so a lot of companies like now they've set back up again and they put safeguarding plans in place and they're being yeah. transparent with what they're doing but even then, like, that, how are they supposed to know if no-one's holding them accountable? There's there's yeah. just a lot of, you know, there's yeah. a, there's an organisation called Wrestling Safely that have, that have got a website um, that you can go and download, like, free safeguarding guidelines and co- codes of conduct that you can hold your staff to. Um, and so there's, like, free resources available, but no-one can police it, really. All you can do is hope that somebody will... Pay attention, and and it seems to me from meetings that I've had that the way that people are looking at it is you wrestling. Please yourself, and what? The, how the
2: hell are we supposed to do that? <sighs>
3: it's a downer. It's a bloody downer.
2: Yeah. Shame. Um. So, have you booked your next Michelin starred meal? No, it? no, I
3: haven't. I I, I am going to do it. My next one's going to be Simpsons, which is in Birmingham. I'm going to go to that. Um, but I don't know when, and I probably were, I don't know if I'm going to write about it or if I'm just going to try and enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Just enjoy it.
2: Was this, what type of food was it at Adams? What,
3: what? Just like British food, I think. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm so shit at it as well. I don't know any of like the words. I don't know any of the terms. Yeah. I don't know any of the terminology <laughs> or all no, this I kind of it. stuff. But from what I can tell, it's just Brit- British food. So there's a lot of like. Yeah. From what I could have anyway, there was just a lot of uh, like mushroom and vegetables <laughs> just vegetables <Yes. laughs> yeah did was, you have a lot of foam British food there was no foam thank the no lord foam. for that there was not even a did you have any foam. smoke there was a bit of smoke yeah. yeah they had um on my favorite dish actually it was cucumber they had wasabi snow and that wow. so that was like giving a bit of a smoky yeah. vibe but nice it, it was just sort of like good food rather than it being yeah. like really flamboyant, like yeah, Heston yeah, yeah. Blumenthal style stuff. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I would love to experience that. Like food theatre, you know. Yes. That would be yeah, wicked. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not I, I'm not against that. I would really love to experience that. Um, but it was mostly just really, really great flavours and yeah, just yeah. doing cool shit
2: with vegetables. But that's vegetables. all you want, isn't it,
3: really? You it's just all, want to enjoy it. Yeah. I mean... I, that's what all i wanted in that moment because i was like this is the honestly i had tears in my eyes it was like there was parts of my mouth that i just didn't i honestly i feel like there was taste buds that had never been invigorated before you know what i mean it was like i know and and my like my eyes were watering and i was like my mouth was watering i mean it's watering now thinking about it like pavlov's dog it was just so it was just it was just like it was just so f- flavoursome. There's no yeah. way of... The, and afterwards I came out and I, I was saying um, to my colleague, I was like, I just don't think I'm going to be able to do justice to how good it was in my words because yeah. I haven't got enough like synonyms for good. <laughs> like, See, I don't know what I'm going to... It was wicked, it was good, it was great, it was ice, it was excellent. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to come up with enough to say... <laughs> Oh, oh it was I good. want to go. We'll go. Come to
2: Birmingham, we'll yeah. go. that would be really nice. you right. Yeah. Come it would me. be nice. Yeah, it would be nice. Because I went, <clears throat> I was in Cornwall at the weekend and we went to Adam Handling's restaurant. Lovely. Called the Ugly Butterfly and we had the tasting menu. Yeah. And it was, I really appreciated the experience. It was a beautiful restaurant. The staff were all wonderful. We had all the touches that like you described in your article it makes you feel very special but it wasn't my type of food i appreciated it all and i enjoyed it all but it wasn't it wasn't what i'd order okay
3: you what's what I mean? your kind of food would you say
2: well i like all food to be fair but it was it was british but it was quite a lot of cheese and quite a lot of fish which I do like cheese and I do like fish, but that was just kind of an overpowering. Like we had one of the courses was venison, and I've never had venison before. But for me, I just I'd like to go out and have a nice steak.
0: Yeah, That's, I see. I'm quite happy with that. I'm yeah. quite easily
2: pleased. I think, even though I'm yeah. moaning about the Michelin stuff. But yeah, moaning about it. Lovely, I was asking, but it and it was very rich as well. Yeah. Um,
3: I suppose but, you're going mean, to have a was, lot of seafood lovely, being but, in Cornwall, right? Well, yes, yeah. yeah. And
2: I don't, I do like fish, but I don't like, I had scallops. I've never really liked scallops and crab. I'm not too keen on. But it was, I did like it. There wasn't anything that I couldn't eat or didn't eat. I tried everything. Yeah. But I just, yeah, it was just quite rich. And I don't think I'm, I'm the right person to go and have that. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I would have been better at probably not having the tasting menu and just having a dish. What you like,
3: and, what you fancy. You know,
2: yeah. Completely understand
3: But it was yeah.
2: yeah, it was it's a nice experience and it's nice to do things like that, which I've never I think I have had a tasting menu before somewhere else, but I'm not I can't really remember. But I think that's definitely the first time I've had one at a Michelin starred restaurant and it, I I don't think I'll probably be doing it again. I might do once in my life, but it's not, you know, it's not. Yeah. Okay.
3: Interesting. (laughs) You know, that's what I wonder if when I was saying about how it was the best thing ever and it's worth it. I wonder if that could be said for any inside restaurant, if it was just that one. You know what I mean? Because maybe Adams is just spectacular and I'll go to another one and be like, yeah, it was fine. But maybe it was just that it just hit right at the right time. So, yeah, yeah, maybe it was just Adams. I don't know. It'd be interesting to talk to other people that went and how they felt about it.
2: I suppose if it's what you like as well like if I'd have had if I'd if it had all been my food like things that I'd eat or that I'd, I'd liked more then I probably would have felt a lot different about it yeah you I know? think that's why
3: I want I, I sort of wanted to try things that I wouldn't normally have just because yeah. I just wanted things I just wanted that experience I just wanted to see what yeah. that would be like and it well, was extraordinary friend actually
2: who was with us she doesn't like there was a few things on there that she wouldn't normally eat but she forced herself to have it she was like no i'm here to experience new things and which i think is a great attitude really to, good attitude know. yeah and, I think, and she enjoyed everything good so sometimes it is like you don't know yeah a lot of people are like no i don't like that I yeah like you've that. got but preconceptions really in your
3: mind it. as well haven't you of like oh i just yeah. don't like that and that's just the way it is but then there's definitely an alchemy at work with like a good chef where they can take the things that you do like it's they're very detailed with the nuances of of each flavor right and so they can like make the best out of something or change something by mixing it with something else there's definitely like some potion mastery going
2: on that makes it good also, if you're going to have something that you don't like, you're better at having it done by a Michelin-star chef than you are Exactly. <laughs> anyone else. Isn't it? But I
3: honestly have i have to say that of all the courses that I had, I didn't leave a single thing on a plate. I ate yeah. every single morsel of every single dish. Every single yeah. one, I was just like, this is great, this is great, this is great, this is great. I just loved it. One, one the cucumber I enjoyed more than the others. Um, but... I enjoyed them all very, very, very much. What was
2: your what was the dessert?
3: Um what was it? There was white chocolate. There was some white chocolate like I don't even know how you would explain it. There was some like white chocolate situation.
2: Yeah.
3: Um I can't for the life of me remember what was with it. But there was like two desserts on this tasting menu. Oh, okay. I can't I can't tell you what it was. Can't but even it was remember what it was. It was just good. I just wolfed it down. But yeah. it sort of pe- the dinner peaked really early because it was like one of the starters that I enjoyed the most. And I can okay, tell you loads yeah. about that. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, the rest of it was just like, yeah, this
2: is nice. This is good. It was just good. It was good. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. Yeah. And who, out of everyone that's read it and commented, who was the most surprising person for
3: you? I think probably Jay Rayner. Just because even I know who Jay Rayner is, and I don't know, like, all that. I don't read food reviews. I'm not, I'm not like, super knowledgeable. And there's, like, yeah. names that I did recognise that I really enjoyed the fact that they would read it. But I think Jay Rayner is, like, notoriously... He's a bit of a hard-ass, isn't he, right? Yeah. So What did
2: he say? He
3: just said that... Um, he was like, oh, I'm a bit late to the party, but I'll echo what other people said. This is just joyful. And I just Aww. thought that flipping means a lot coming from jay rayner are you kidding me what yeah. a... that's yeah. like that was that was a big deal for me other people was just lovely but yeah but, and and like um marina O'Loughlin at the times the food reviewer there um oh wow she was like the first one i think really to to message and say that she'd enjoyed it but it was just like fuck me oh my god can you imagine that these people who this is their job and they're saying yeah. like, that they enjoyed it. I was like, this is sick. That was so cool. It was so <laughs> wonderful. It was just lovely. It's just nice were to have that recognition. Telly? Were you on telly? I wasn't. I was on radio the next day. They wanted to talk to me about it on the radio the next day. Which is hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was on the radio talking about it. Yeah. I think they were just hyped. Oh. People were just hyped to see Nigella talking about it, I think. Because Nigella, yeah. you know that Nigella knows what she's talking about with food. She's like Delia yeah. Smith, isn't she? That would have yeah. been nice if Delia Smith had read it. Everybody she fucking read this. Let me see how Thanks, Delia. <laughs> I might send it to her and see if she'll read it. <laughs>
2: yeah, you should. Oh, yeah, oh so, well, thank you for coming on to talk to me. Thank you for
3: having me. I feel like we've just jumped around all over the place. I'm sorry if that's been a bit scattergun.
2: No, that's all good. Oh, good. It's good to be. All... But please let me know how you get on with your meeting. I'm very excited for you.
3: Thank you very much. I don't know if anything will happen with it, but it's just nice to be asked. Nice to be included. Exactly. Nice to be involved.
2: Well, wait there. Let's say bye, and then I'll say bye properly. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. No
3: problem. Thank
2: you. Bye. Bye. Right. So yes, that was a lovely Kirsty thank you for listening if this is your first time then i've got well two years worth of other episodes that you can catch up on i've spoken to loads of wonderful people i also do something called the epic mum chat with the lovely nikki and we have a new episode out so if you search epic mum chat on youtube you will find us please subscribe subscribe to the podcast subscribe to the youtube channel share sharing is caring I hope you're good. If there's anything Work. you think I should talk about or any guests you have to recommend, then please Work. get in touch with me. Mama Mama Pod on all the socials. Work. Stay safe, stay sane.
0: Big love to you all, Work. and I'll see you next week. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row. Dreaming of something better? Well,